Hey everyone, welcome to Hit the Apex Podcast. It's Jawad here as always. Thank you for tuning in this week. And yeah, I'm back. Uh, took a little bit of a break. Well, not really, it was just a week off. <laughs> um, and guess what? There's plenty to talk about this time too. So we'll get straight to it. Um, just seeing how everyone is as well. Hope everyone's doing okay all over the world, wherever you are. Um a lot of stuff going on at the moment, uh, just following the latest updates today from the Australian government as to when our restrictions and stuff are going to lift and everything, you know, kind of three stages or whatever, he's talking about the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, ScoMo, so yeah, we're going to have to keep an eager eye on that, you know, been itching to get out and do some exciting stuff, you know, go take some photos in some you know, interesting places around the country, you know, road trip even, or even just to be able to hang out with people, so, you know, that'd be great. I went back to work, actually, this week, um, doing three days a week of uh, online or listing stuff online to sell, so, you know, the shop itself at the moment still closed, but it's nice to be able to just go back into the shop and, you know, do some work. (laughs) Two weeks where I was actually not working flew really quick, so... I mean, I'm sure other people who have been in lockdown or in isolation for much longer won't say the same thing, but hey, you know, I can't sit still for very long, so (laughs) I've got to keep moving, and um, yeah, you know, adapting to the environment around us at the moment, so we're doing um, online sales, which is good, so... Yeah, that's that's that. As far as the racing is concerned, got a lot that has come out over the last couple of weeks, of course. Um, last week, we heard from F1 boss Chase Carey about um, when can we possibly see F1 back on, and the date of July the 5th has been targeted. So it's not nothing is set in stone, of course, yet, but... They're hoping to start the season in Austria on the 5th of July um, and hoping to have a 15 to 18 race season through to December. So the way they outline this, of course, is they've geographically blocked the calendar. So what what that means is they've just grouped all the races, you know, based on continent and they're going to move from continent to continent rather than, you know, going let's say let's go to Canada this weekend and then go to Monaco, back to Monaco or wherever they go after Canada. Gee, that's awful. I can't even remember. No, it's French Grand Prix. <laughs> French Grand Prix, yeah. Jeez, you know, this no racing thing has thrown my sense of time and, you know, day out. It was supposed to be the Dutch Grand Prix last weekend. Someone told me, I'm like, oh, Wow. We are in May, of course, now, because, you know, March felt like it was, uh, went on for 10 years, and then April kind of just flew past, but then, you know, it doesn't feel like time's moving, given that, you know, all us racing fans or whatever, we base all of our calendars and everything around um, when a race is on, you know, whether it's F1, MotoGP, or Supercars, IndyCar, whatever you guys watch, Formula E... So, yeah, we're going to be in Europe for August and September, then moving through to Eurasia in uh, kind of September, end of September, and Asia in October, and then the Americas in November. So you'd imagine that would be races like Texas, um, Mexico, Brazil, and then, of course, finishing off in the Gulf in the Middle East um, in December. So, They've already specifically mentioned Bahrain will move to that um, particular time of the year now to come before Abu Dhabi, and then yeah, the season finishing it off finishing off in Abu Dhabi. They've also said that early races will be without fans. Um, Silverstone and Hungary have been the first to confirm officially that they'll be holding their races behind closed doors. So you could picture this sort of going on for a while, you know, I don't think there would be um, mass gatherings anywhere, you know, anytime soon, even if we get to, say, October, um, depending on everything, it's a, it's all a big what if at the moment, that's the, that's the thing, you know, it's good that, you know, we're outlining plans and, you know, the relevant um, biosecurity measures as well, you know, because health and safety is a big priority. Um, how much staff can you have on site too? You know, on average, it takes about a thousand people 
um, at a Grand Prix, you know, not including fans and extended parts of the media. So, like, get your core media people in, um, you know, of course, marshals, your caterers who can cater to just the, you know, teams and crews and all that, you know, all that sort of stuff, your medical people. It's it's a big thing putting on a Grand Prix, which is why, you know, when it came to cancelling the Australian Grand Prix and then what would happen sub in subsequent weeks for subsequent races it was like well there's too many people there's too many people that have got to travel from one country to another it's going to be impossible for a case not to pop up a you know a positive case and in in the case of the Australian Grand Prix it did unfortunately we all know how that went and uh, panned out but I guess what they're thinking about now is what pretty much any other sporting code that's looking to get back into business soon is and that's um the idea of biosphere so that's the words that ross braun of you has used you know basically keeping everyone together um you know making sure there's not much you know travel or separate travel involved you know you basically go to the race if you've got back-to-back races on, which there should be quite a few back-to-back weekends, you go straight from one venue to the other, you know, or and stay in and around that venue, um, and, you know, places like Silverstone in Austria, they've got airports pretty much next door as well, so there won't be a lot of um, transiting through other cities and everything, so that's, I guess, what they mean by biosphere, but also getting people in and tested for the event, as well tested for the virus uh, as soon as they enter the paddock. They've talked about testing every two days for all the personnel in the paddock, which is um, probably the best way you can stay on top of that thing. But I kind of agree with Zach Brown, his comments, the McLaren CEO saying, you know, even though we're ready to start, we're probably bound to hit a glitch as well. And I think this kind of speaks for everybody at the moment, you know, not just F1, um, Anywhere you look, there's probably going to be glitches, you know, but at the same time, we're at a point now, globally and economically too, and this is something I'm going to have a little spiel about later in a bit more detail, is where there's got to be alternatives and alternatives found and also got to start getting the wheels rolling again from an economic point of view because of the great financial loss all over the world and this doesn't just affect you know the power brokers and such you think about the the little people or you know not really little people but people like you or me who you know rely on you know an income going to work to be able to support ourselves put a roof over our head and stuff like that and team members for a Formula One team, are no different. For example, you know your engineers, your media people, um, anyone basically. Yeah, you know, and we've heard so much about how many people have been furloughed or laid off or whatever, made um, put on leave without pay, stuff like that, all because you know their particular team or their organisation um, cannot go on without any kind of income and then continue to pay their staff. So this is where a return to, a return to work or return to action plan is needed. And for Formula One's no different like any other industry. So if all those boxes can be ticked, you know, having the relevant biosecurity measures in place, um, making the health and safety of everyone involved a priority, then, you know, you could see them getting back into action, you know, and obviously behind closed doors too. Zach Brown reckons that 15 races, 14 or 15 races is ideal. Um, 18 races has been set as the limit by Chase Carey. Uh, We have a look at the races that currently are postponed or announced as postponed. That was a Spanish, Dutch, Chinese, Canadian and Vietnam Grand Prix that have already past but have um, been announced as postponed all the other ones that I haven't mentioned that have already gone in terms of you know just like you know Australia Monaco and all that they've been cancelled completely so we won't see them on the calendar we won't see Monaco on the calendar for the first time since (laughs) since forever basically so and also we've had a number of um, circuits or 
not really confirmed a number of circuits, but there are circuits who are not on the calendar or haven't been on the calendar considering to put their arms up to host. And Chase Carey as well said that he's considering venues like that. So some names have been mentioned like Hockenheim in Germany um, and even Portimao, the Algarve circuit in Portugal too, which would be interesting if we go there. And I know before things really started to get um, bad. There was there was talk about Imola potentially replacing the Chinese Grand Prix as well. So I guess you're not going to have a shortage of circuits, but it all just depends on what's, what's happening, what the global situation is. Travel restrictions as well is a big thing. You know, I know I've been following closely about what's going on here in Australia with traveling be- between borders being restricted. I know you can go between New South Wales and Victoria but you know you can't go into South Australia or you can't go up to Queensland and that's affected you know planning for other co like our local sporting codes like AFL and uh, NRL basically getting special if they got special permission or whatever uh, to be able to do that but internationally when you're looking across crossing international borders it's probably going to be a lot more trickier to do so so it all depends on that you know I know there's quite a few people saying yeah well you know we're kind of moving out of that um, danger zone with weather wise you know we're getting into warmer climate especially in Europe and we should see less cases but it's impossible to say you can't predict these things so I guess like any organization looking to get back into to work or to get back into playing or to racing they're going to be monitoring this 24 7 and basically trying to make sure that they can give the guarantee that everyone's going to be safe and then get back to it so because as Zach Brown says you know imagine we do a race in Austria we do you know, race in Silverstone the next weekend and then we get a positive case on somebody in the paddock, you know, and then it all basically has to shut down. So there's still things that can derail, um, possibly derail the season um, and I kind of agree with that, that when we're dealing with something like this, it's hard to predict that we're going to be completely in the clear um, in the date uh, or on the date that they've targeted to return, which is July the fifth. So, you know, it's yeah, hard to predict. <laughs> um, there has been talk about you know potentially racing at the same circuit twice as well. Um, I know it's been brought up quite a bit. I'm particularly not, you know, a fan of that idea, you know, because it's going to be the same no matter what, you know. Uh, so one weekend you do it this race here, race in the same place the next weekend. What's going to change? I know um, I was listening to the Outlap Outlap podcast last week and the guys on there were saying that they could use different tyre compounds for the different races so you know one weekend say in Austria you use you know C5 to C3 tyre and then from the next weekend you use C3 to C1 or something like that so that could be one way of mixing it up you know format changes as well you know two-day weekends have qualifying on the Sunday or reverse grid races stuff like that you know reverse grid I've totally been against for F1 it's just not you know it just seems more gimmicky and it's just going to cause more trouble if anything and financially too like if you know you ride off a car or whatever I mean given the current situation where everyone is struggling money-wise it's probably not the best thing you know you they probably don't want to damage the cars um, even though some drivers have talked about the fact that there's going to be less races this year it's going to make drivers a lot more desperate with moves to try and secure points or if they're battling for the championship and stuff like that and quickly while we're on the subject of money too the plan as outlined by Ross Braun now is to reduce the budget cap that was supposed to come in next year by 30 million US dollars so it was 175 US million um, and they're going to look at implementing a performance cost cap of 145 million US as of next year. Not everyone obviously is happy about this, chiefly Ferrari, but given the fact that it's only capped to performance, um, it 
could only be good for the competition, but also in this unforeseen situation where everyone is losing money, you know, we're in like, going to hit a recession or depression, whatever, as far as the economy is concerned, it's the perfect opportunity for everyone to open their eyes and look at how they can run their businesses different, you know, obviously use the example of us with the um, the shop, we're doing online stuff now where previously we weren't, so trying to diversify and sell stock online um, because it means, yeah, we don't have to open the doors, but we're still making it, we still have some kind of revenue coming through because people are able to buy the stuff online, have it posted to them, whereas for someone like F1, you know, the fact that we're losing all this money should mean that they look at ways of scaling back their um, costs so while the cost cap that's going to be introduced is only for performance stuff to try and limit the big budgets that the big teams use they should look at this or take this opportunity to look at other areas that they could save on you know like as Ross Braun says, the gin palaces, the um, the motorhomes that they use in the European races that take like two or three trucks per team, like, you know, your B-double big transporter trucks to, to cart around, you know, try and scale back on those if they're not necessary. Ways to basically save and look at greater sustainability and obviously F1 when it's planned to go carbon neutral by 2030 is that going to be affected by this pandemic as well that's another thing we've got to look at but it's the perfect opportunity to begin scaling back and a lot of people are worried too that you know talking about how this will change f1 forever um if teams have no money will they going to have to look at um especially the smaller teams are they going to have to look at switching to customer cars or whatever or are they going to talk about control chassis altogether um jean todd saying you know this might f1 will no longer be the same after this and stuff like that it's got a lot of people worried but ultimately there are other ways to innovate and the other ways to show that you're the pinnacle of open wheel racing what those other ways are you know i can't think of off the top of my head at the moment maybe i'll put together a list for next time or something but you know we've got this fascinating product which is the um, hybrid turbo power unit um, talking about control components you know for the 2022 regulations now the 21 regulations obviously being pushed back a year um stuff like that but there's other areas i'm sure that they can exploit in this time to be able to make their product a lot more sustainable but also try and cut those costs where they can you know and hopefully this doesn't mean it's hopefully this doesn't mean like on employment but ways in which they do things so yeah the motorhomes as well and unnecessary spending on let's say you know a wheel nut they go out and spend a million bucks on a wheel nut (laughs) so that's basically where that is for f1 and you know we might not yet get a whole season in or we might not even go racing in july who knows it all just depends on what is happening globally if everyone's um basically upholding all the distancing regulations whichever country you're in um the k number of cases goes down i doubt we're going to get a <laughs> i doubt we're going to get a vaccine anytime soon but yeah just following you know your local health guidelines and stuff like that because i'm sure you know even from a competitive point of view the drivers and the teams will be itching to get back out there and do what they love doing but then more importantly from a financial point of view as well they need to go racing if you know they are to survive you know or the brand or you know the sport is to survive financially beyond this year because yeah some teams even might be in dire straits i mean there was that story about williams who have had to sell off a few of their heritage cars or you know give them to a to a bank to hold on as collateral for for a loan to basically keep their business afloat so you know, a legendary team like Williams, you know, that's really distressing when you hear things like that. So, yeah, that's pretty much it for, for the F1 stuff. Um, basically, 
haven't been paying attention to the esports or the e-league or whatever it is the f1 one i've been watching you know clips of guys like Charles Leclerc, George Russell, Alex Almond, up to their usual mischief. I mean, you would have seen a couple of weeks ago Leclerc dressed as a banana, probably the funniest thing ever because, you know, when someone puts the tag on, it's like, this is Charles Leclerc, Ferrari Formula One driver, and he's got a banana costume on. <laughs> I mean, who you would have liked to have seen someone like Alan Prost or Michael Schumacher back in the day were doing that. So silly, and then... Alex Albon the other day on this Twitch stream constantly being pestered by George Russell and basically just yelling George George and of course Lando Norris too with his um with his antics as well a bit of a controversy actually with Lando I haven't actually watched it or paid much attention to it because it really got fiery so um Lando did another IndyCar race um and there was the Indy 175, I think. It was done at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, um, the IndyCar E-Series, and on the final lap, there was a big crash between Simon Paginot, the um, winner last year, the Indy 500, and Lando Norris, and there was a big controversy between the two. I don't know the specifics, but, um, you know, basically both of them hurling a lot of abuse at each other and big debate online about whether e-sports should be taken seriously um, or is this just a game and stuff like that um, one of the arguments was that given the fact that sponsors and stuff are involved and this is being broadcast in a professional manner you've got to uphold that professional um, professional aspect of it but um, yeah a lot of people clearly divided on this one so yeah, as I said, I haven't watched it. Um, I didn't watch that race this time. Uh, all I know is that Scott McLaughlin did a Stephen Bradbury. If anyone knows who Stephen Bradbury is, the um, Australian Olympian who won the ice was it ice skating or something to do with ice race uh, <laughs> because everyone else fell over. So yeah because these guys crashed out, Scotty ended up winning that one, and in fact, Scotty did a Bradbury twice in the week, because in the um, Supercars E-Series at Spa, uh, Shane Van Gisbergen got stripped of his win um, in the first race, because he turned around Anton Di Pasquale, or there was a bit of contact there, and um, behind him, there was like Cameron Waters, Lando Norris, or whatever, and McLaughlin just comes out of nowhere and wins it, so because they stripped the win from Van Gisbergen a day later, um, Scotty ended up doing a Bradbury twice during the um, during the week, so good on him, still leads the championship there. Last week, actually, there was a couple of good races in North America, so there was the Montreal race, um, seeing supercars at the Circuit Gilles Villeneuve, that was great. Um, carnage, there was nothing short of carnage there, <laughs> saw Joey Logano, the Penske NASCAR champion in the wars, like got bogged down on the start and basically rotated on the on the grid um, and basically all the cars jammed up um, there at turn two or turn three so that was fun and then we saw Jamie Wincup actually win a race at Watkins Glen and Watkins Glen you know I love that circuit whenever I play it on Forza Motorsport in a supercar actually I've always done that especially for the first um, couple of corners you know that high speed um, chicane that you get with the banking as well, so good, so fun, so um, that was last week's races, then this week obviously yeah, and Spa, we had Lando Norris join as well, um, so good, blocked the pit lane in the second race, so that was quite kind of funny, getting a bit um, bit of, bit funny there, and then we had Wildcard in Brock Feeney, the Super 2, young Super 2 racer winning the second race in the reverse grid, so good on him for doing that, and again, the Supercars um, E-Series winning, <laughs> winning the um, race of the E-Series, and I know, I checked out the um, the Formula E one as well, after we spoke about it on the Regen podcast a couple of weeks ago, and that's been pretty good as well, you know, they've all been well-behaved kind of thing, so it's just the F1 one that's kind of just lagging behind in terms of you know being entertaining and just lack of having all the drivers there too I think makes a big big difference um if you know we had the entire 
Formula One grid doing it, it would be a lot more interesting. And I know Sebastian Vettel has ended up getting himself a, a sim rig and has been doing some races. I don't know which um, which category or whatever he's doing it in or which game, but um, yeah, Seb's on board. But I doubt you'd get Kimi or even Lewis Hamilton involved. In it. Although Hamilton does stuff with Gran Turismo because he's got the partnership um, with them, so... Yeah, but I haven't really seen him much uh, pop up on the internet doing um, sim racing and stuff like that. So, yeah, and I guess while we're still on supercars, a couple of weeks ago now, or was it last week, my last week racing revisitation article that I did was on Bathurst 2014. I said for ages that I was going to do Bathurst 2014, rewatch the race and write something about it and finally I did, you know, the most up and down race in great race history. Um, Chaz Mostert coming from last to finish first and not even leading a lap all day and taking the lead of the race, you know, with a couple of corners to go. So, you know, eight, eight hours later, this is what happens. We had big drama even before the race started, you know, Win Cup, David Reynolds, they crashed out in qualifying, didn't even make the shootout. Chaz, of course, got done for um, overtaking under a red flag or whatever, so that was him disqualified and starting from the rear. Um, you had Craig Lowndes crash into Warren Luff, obviously Luffy driving the HRT car with Garth Tander before the top 10 shootout, so that actually took out the HRT entry of Luff and Tander before the the race and that was a shame because those guys you know have always been a strong combination but didn't really get the results that they wanted to at Bathurst together um so it was sad seeing those guys out but SVG on pole in the VIP pet foods techno car such a sick livery I loved it <laughs> VIP pet foods I mean when Gizzy was at Techno like they've always had cool liveries you know VIP pet foods and then the Daryl Lee sticks thing you know which got me addicted to <laughs> Daryl Lee the sticks candies I'm sure a lot of people would have got addicted to sticks um, back when they were together that partnership so we had those guys on pole Scott McLaughlin in the Volvo took the lead at the start um basically did a big dive bomb at the going into the first corner I think Jason Bright uh, stalled it um, Mark Winterbottom was up there as well of course driving with Steve Owen that year um, but unfortunately both those guys SVG and Scotty they bowed out at the end before the end of the race Shane with the um, stall in the pit lane of course leading the race and coming in for that second to last pit stop and then Scotty of course you know hitting the wall at the cutting kind of being pushed wide by Shane not no contact there but yeah just got pushed a bit too wide and ended up just tagging the side of the wall which is enough to really end your day and it was interesting because um, McLaughlin's teammate at um, Volvo GRM Robert Dahlgren at the time he only a few laps before had done the same thing hit the wall at the cutting and that's what brought out the safety car and then after that safety car, it was uh, Scotty's turn to meet the wall at the cutting. So, yeah, and when you look at what's um, their career paths afterwards, I guess Shane, you know, going to Triple Eight to Red Bull, won the championship in 2016, yet to actually win a Bathurst 1000. You know, I'm sure that'll be on his mind um, if we do get racing again this year in, in supercars, that he'll be targeting a, a Bathurst win. Scotty, of course, last year, the win for DGR Team Penske, still you know when you talk about it, it's got a bit of a sour taste or leaves a bit of a sour taste I'm sure there'd be people out there who are still very filthy about it um, obviously in the record books now the Saturday pole position no longer exists you know Chas Mostert's the one who technically had pole for for the race in last year but um, yeah McLaughlin I guess he'll be wanting I'm not going to say a legitimate win because you know in the in the timing sheets and in the history books he won that race last year there is no official asterisk next to it even though a lot of people will feel that it should be that way but um, I'm sure he'll be wanting another win as well to make it or to basically shut those people up who feel like he didn't win it um, fair and square last year so that was those guys their race done their 
had trouble at turn two all day you know obviously that's where we had the the track breaking up which was uh saw that red flag during the middle of the race um and teams were allowed to work on the cars they weren't allowed to refuel or put new tires on but they could tune up the cars which gave some people an advantage didn't more so to others um we had likes of uh James Moffat, Taz Douglas driving together in the Norton Hornets, the bright yellow Nissan Altimers back then. They ended up in the wall there a couple of times and still finished on the podium, mind you. So, like, he made key moves, did Moff at the end of the race. Um, They weren't fuel compromised, which was a good thing. And he ended up finishing second, you know, first time in ages he had Nissan on the podium at Bathurst. And, of course, the Moffat name too, obviously his father, Alan Moffat, um synonymous with Bathurst uh, back in his days uh, racing in the Ford so Moffat and Douglas hit the wall a few times they patched up the car sent it back out there he won Scott Pye unfortunately not so lucky he did hit the wall but then it was um, you know going into the chase he hit something and that ended his race and of course Paul Morris as well co-driving with Chas Mostert came out of the pits cold tyres cold brakes and ran across the debris and hit the um, wall and this was before they had the red, red flag um, there was a late race crash too between Lee Holdsworth and Russell Ingle um, that was a bit weird because don't know what Russell was trying to do he went bold into turn two into Griffin's Bend and um, to try and pass I think it was Todd Kelly or Rick Kelly they were both racing the <laughs> Jack Daniels cars back then so hard to tell I forgot the number um, of the car he was trying to pass, I think it might have been Todd Kelly trying to go down the inside, but he didn't know that on the outside of Kelly there was Lee Holdsworth and the um, Erebus Mercedes. So Russell goes in bold, he goes down the inside, locks up, and then basically Holdsworth arrives on the spot, and they both tar- uh, touch. Or it wasn't touch; it was like more like a big hit, big hit. Uh, between the two and put Holdsworth on his roof now thankfully Holdsworth was okay but Russell did he care much didn't seem like it he kind of just did a u-turn and (laughs) rejoined the race while uh, Holdsworth was sitting upside down he got out of the car thankfully because his mate Michael Caruso got out and um, gave him a hand but um, yeah, that was an unfortunate one for those guys. And Erebus did seem pretty pretty good in that race because we had Will Davison finish in the top five, I think. But he was fuel limited at the end of the race. Greg Murphy too. He was solid in the opening stints uh, for the co-drivers. And it was a bit of a shame to see that they had a throttle sensor issue that took them out of contention on the restart. They had to spend a bit of time in the garage to get the car fixed and everything. So he had one of the better stints, I think, that year. Because I remember 2013, he actually crashed the car at the top of the mountain. And we're like, oh, Murph, what are you doing? So I guess all that pressure would have um, meant that uh, he put in a good performance and... Obviously, Murphy, a four-time champion around the mountain, so he's he's no slouch. Um, and yeah, heading into the final stints, you had tyres and fuel um, for Mostert and Lowndes. They both were fine until the end of the race, though Jamie Wincup and uh, Frosty, Mark Winterbottom, they were fuel limited. Um, and they were kind of running two and two. And then we had Lowndes turn around Winterbottom so that basically took those guys out of contention Winterbottom of course dropping to the bottom part of the top 10 and then Lowndes being hit with a uh, drive-through penalty and um, then we basically know what happened between Mostert and Wincup on the final lap and the calls for Wincup to reserve fuel preserve fuel but um, didn't listen Good podium though, Mostert, Morris, Morris obviously like 20 years trying to win this race, finally does, Mostert second attempt to win it, Uh, Moffat and Douglas on the podium too for Nissan and then of course Nick Perkout, second ever Bathurst podium um, and racing with Oliver Gavin, the well um, esteemed, highly esteemed uh, sports car racer, you know he's won races abroad, contested Le Mans, still is in with Corvette Racing as well, so yeah, it was a it was a solid podium and just one of those epic races. You know, you were up all day basically trying to see what was going on. Um, you had the break in the middle too, so you know the race obviously ran over time. 
and then yeah um that outcome in the end was was pretty outstanding and luckily i remember that day actually because you know you hear me complain on the podcast whenever whenever we get to october and i'm like well we've got the bathurst 1000 on but then the japanese grand prix always clashes with it on the same day in 2014 that was the first russian grand prix that they had and it was on the same weekend as bathurst so there was no clash with japan's and yeah obviously russia on a bit later in the evening so you know you watch bathurst and then around 10 o'clock you have the uh, russian grand prix on so if only it was like that um moving moving on or when things get back to normal we have a normal calendar next year it'd be nice to have you know the russian grand prix or no grand prix on that weekend as a matter of fact so you can enjoy bathurst for what it is Right, so let's uh, hit the globe, have a look at what's going on elsewhere at the moment, Um, other codes that I like to keep an eye on, or other racing categories I like to keep an eye on, Formula E, you know, talking about potentially looking away from street circuits to finish the season, of course, their product centres around, you know, being able to race um, or take their sustainable product into these bustling city centres, but, you know, given the current distancing guidelines and restrictions and stuff it's probably going to be impossible to um, set up in a city center and race so whether they look to finishing off their season um, at a permanent circuit I guess they could if you know things in Germany were okay they could do it do it at the um, the airport that they race at always at um is it Berlin E-Prix, you know, do a couple of races there or something, because that seems a bit removed from, from everything, it's not exactly in a city centre, so those guys have got to figure out how to finish off their season, like, it'd be funny given the fact that um, before they stopped racing, I was like, ooh, you know, is it too early to predict that um, Da Costa will win the championship? <laughs> and if this ends up happening as a result of this then you know that might be the most flukiest prediction I've ever made um and he was in good form too De Costa this season so far he's really ruffled the feathers of his teammate John Eric Verne of course who's the reigning champion reigning two-time champion De Cheetah still looks really fast um they've got some good opposition too um from the BMW guys um and Jaguar with Mitch Evans I know Dino from Regen is big on Mitch Evans so you know he's really come online this season and um you know it'd be a shame you know obviously having a truncated season that we wouldn't see the full potential of all these competitors like if we imagine if we had a full season you know, how it would ebb and flow as Formula E does, you know, with all the different winners that we have and everything, so um, it'd be a shame, and this is, I guess, for every competition, food for thought, where, whether, do you put an asterisk against 2020 for every single sporting competition if they do get to start running again, because, you know, obviously it's going to be shortened, um, or they look at different formats and stuff like that, um, whether whoever becomes champion or wins this season in whichever sport, is it going to be, you know, the same as if they won a normal season? I mean, I see no difference because, you know, you've still been able to complete the the required amount of races or the required rounds, whether, you know, for a football or for cricket or basketball or whatever. Um, it's if it was, like, cut halfway, like, if it was stopped prematurely where you'd be like oh you know that's a bit unfair because we didn't get to see out the remaining races or whatever to see if this guy or um, this competitor or she would be able to make a comeback or whatever so that's the Formula E side obviously a lot going on with NRL in Australia here the rugby league national rugby league looking to restart on May 28th Um, they got special dispensation to be able to fly the New Zealand team, the Warriors, over, and they're in isolation in Tamworth. They flew directly to Tamworth Airport, of course. And, of course, the Queensland teams have been given permission um, to travel from their respective places, so Townsville, Gold Coast, and Brisbane, Brisbane, to into Sydney or to New South Wales to play their games, and then they can go back home, fly back home, which, which they were doing for the first two rounds when we did 
announced the restrictions and everything and they basically flew in then did their game fly back out so there's no need to stay in hotels and stuff like that um a lot going on i guess with the whole um uh vaccination thing as well in regards to them um there's been guidelines that you know if you don't get vaccinated um all players have to undergo a mandatory vaccination get the flu shot if you don't then you know you got to sign a waiver um which has really struck a lot of people because you know there's some um, people out there with you know whether it's religious beliefs or personal beliefs or whatever um that um are opposed to vaccination whether it's um safe for them to be allowed to play or whatever in especially in a full contact sport too body contact um you're touching the ball and everything the ball moves around real quickly so that's something that's kind of sparked a bit of a debate here um the afl of course haven't firmed up plans for a restart yet they talk about quarantine hubs you know perhaps you know having six teams play in one out of one stadium have six teams in another stadium and you know six teams in the other so that's kind of been the talk around here the nrl a bit more aggressive with their plans to restart there's been a few controversies too with players not obeying um distancing uh laws and everything either they've been fined and had all sorts of penalties come out but yeah at the end of the day you know if they want the competition to restart then they've got to follow these guidelines and make sure everything's been done in a safe manner as i said before with you know f1 trying to make a comeback it's going to have to be you know they've got to tick all these boxes before it can be said yep it's it's right to play and of course you know looking for government guidelines as well you know um that's a big thing at the moment and of course nba potentially looking at utilizing disneyland or the espn facilities nearby to finish their season too because you know around now is when we be getting into playoffs normally as well um and i guess big ramifications for for the guys there too um you know you look at teams like the lakers with lebron james they're in the playoff window or championship window this year you know other teams too um, the Bucks with the Giannis, um, so a lot uh, kind of depends on whether they get to to start or not. But again, it's all elementary. It's all elementary if you know it's not safe enough to do so. And I can't stress that enough more because as much as I love sport and I want to have uh, stuff to be able to watch or you know cheer on my team or whatever or do my live blogging for for formula one and to be able to report on um formula one and supercars and all that if it's not safe to do so like or if it's not safe to to be able to compete or to race or whatever then that's fine you've got to wait until it's um it's good enough or the conditions are fine to be able to do so following government advice and everything but where i'm getting kind of frustrated at the moment is complaints from people on social media and um stuff like that about oh you know there's too much sports news like who gives a rats about the footy you know why are they talking about the footy on the news all the time well number one don't watch the news then you know you can select whatever news source you want to follow and i'm sure not all of them talk about sport but also it's important because even though it's sport it's competition blah 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 sport like anything or elite sport in particular is a business there's organizations involved and like any business they have a profound effect on the economy and at the moment where you know the economy is struggling a lot of people are unemployed or on the verge of unemployment or not being paid you know leave without pay and whatnot the competition being able to restart is very very important you know um it's important for them to start generating revenue because for things like footy you know afl and rl a lot of their income and revenue depends on broadcast you know and the broadcasters are because they have nothing to show at the moment they're not paying anything and of course you know forget about you know going to the actual ground or the venue like fans going there to watch the game ticket sales and all that so you know this year they're going to rely solely on broadcast money to be able to generate revenue to make sure that all their staff are paid too because 
you know, it's not all just the players and whatnot that, or the coaches and stuff like that, that make this thing happen. Think of all the staff behind the scenes, the administrators, you know, the people who clean the facilities, like cleaners, caterers, there's so much involved in it, and then I just find it completely ignorant for people who, let's just say, yeah, people who don't like sport, who think it's, oh, you know, they're too smart for things like football or whatever, to say, oh, you know, um, it's, I've had enough of seeing the news, it's like, well, without it, because it's one of those things that generate such a big revenue that it can help the economy, it can create jobs, so for all the people who are sitting at home at the moment without work, maybe some of those people are the ones who get all high and mighty about sports news and saying, oh, you know, I've had enough of seeing them talk about the footy and when the footy's coming back and, oh, the footy, the footy, you know, you might end up getting a job in something to do with footy, whether it is, you know, cleaning cleaning the facilities or, you know, marketing stuff or administrative stuff or whatever, um, all that sort of stuff. So this is why sport, elite sport, like any organization in the world, you know, say the organization I work for, or, you know, whoever's sitting in an office or whatever, you know, all your supermarkets and stuff, it's important to start, you know, if it's safe enough to do so, to be able to start, start up again, so that revenue can generate, and we can start to get back to normal, normal might not come for a few years, the economy might not recover for a few years, but at least, you know, we're not at a complete standstill. We can at least start moving, get the pieces moving, make sure that, you know, people are looked after, you know, because my biggest concern is, you know, obviously people's mental health at this moment, but also the people who are unable to support themselves and their families who, you know, they rely on welfare or whatever, but the welfare payments aren't coming through because, you've got to wait in a queue for for so long or you're in the backlog of people that are yet to be approved and all that that's where you know this is really going to hit home and people affected by this this is where other people's ignorance about oh you know because like just tune out of it tune out of it don't go and start complaining about it you know just tune out of it watch you know um, ABC Kids or something you know watch the Teletubbies and um, get high, whatever, (laughs) um, it's, yeah, that's the frustrating part, you know, the thing that can help everyone recover, and then all the people who do like sport, you know, they're going to feel so much better, because, you know, to be able to watch their teams play, or watch their favourite drivers or riders be able to race on track or whatever, they'll be able to celebrate that and feel feel good, you know, and then you've got some people being grumpy and, you know, being disillusioned or whatever. If you want to be like that, go for it, but keep it to yourself and don't try and spread that toxicity around because only, you know, that's not only going to make it worse for other people, you're actually taking away from the thing that's potentially going to be the solution to, to what we're going through and from, you know, an econ- from an economical point of view, and also, you know, if you were presented with the opportunity to have a job, like you're unemployed, here, here's a job, apply for it, you might get the job, like, and just because you don't want to, or you can't be bothered, well, great, you know, thank you for, thank you for your assistance, thank you for trying to help all the people out there who are struggling, because you just want to be an ignorant loser, and just sit there and do nothing, <laughs> anyway, that's um, that's rant over. Um, but for the most part, you know, a lot of people out there are doing the right thing. You know, they are being supportive of one another and trying to make a difference where they can. You know, whether it's just you know being able to talk to someone and make sure they're okay, or you know, assist these organisations and other industries in trying to be able to restart. Um, restart everything, you know, because we are at a bit of a standstill, and, you know, things like, um, things like sport or whatever, or entertainment, you know, whether it's the music industry, when these things start coming back, you know, and the, you know, the revenue starts coming in for them, they're going to just keep coming and coming, and it's going to make everyone happy, you know, 
be able to listen to music or live music again, be able to see your team play, you know, on the TV. I mean, forget about potentially going to a ground and watching anyone just yet, but, you know, just to be able to watch them on TV will be a, a big deal and a big difference to a lot of people who are doing it tough at the moment. So let's just ignore all the, the ignorant pigs out there who just you know, want to be all righteous and high and mighty about themselves. Um, unlike Joe Exotic, who, you know, he didn't recover financially from whatever it is that happened. I'm, I'm going to watch that finally, hopefully, this weekend, Tiger King. It just looks hilarious, and a lot of people have told me to get onto it. been too busy watching The Last Dance. You know, that's fascinating. I mentioned that um, last time I was on, so get onto that if you're, if you're, you know, bored, not doing much, you know, it's a really fascinating documentary series, The Last Dance, and I finally got into Westworld as well, so, you know, that's been, that's been pretty good so far, but yeah, you know, we all want to recover, we all want to recover together, and try and get back to normality as much as we can, um, and the best way we can do that is by, as I keep saying, you know, being positive and trying to go with what other people, you know, with the what the government is doing to try and, you know, generate and stimulate uh, the economy and everything. There's jobs out there that they've put, you know, if you feel like you can make a difference, go and apply, do the work at Woolworths or Coles or whatever supermarket if, if, you, if that's all it takes. And yeah, hopefully we can sort of get back to normality soon. So yeah, I don't know. What's what's your thoughts? You can get in touch on Twitter at hit the Apex Media. Other than that, I think it's um, time for the weekend to begin, and got to re- read the news first. See what these um, what this outline three step plan is. I'm going to read more into that because you know obviously there's some photography work that needs to be done and um, potentially going into state. So got to check to see if the borders are going to be opened anytime soon. But as long as it's safe, that's the thing, I'm not going to try and break the rules here, anyway guys, thanks for tuning in this week, I hope my rant wasn't too, um, too much for, for you or whatever, but you know, it's, it's how I feel at the moment about, um, a lot of the commentary and what's going on, um, what's being talked about, so yeah, hopefully some better things next week, thank you and have a good one.